forest and flower exclaim, mountain and meadow the same, all earth and heaven proclaim, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Standing before him at last, trial and trouble will pass. Crowns at his feet we will cast. Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Amen. And now let's turn to uh, song 207. 207, sooner or later. Sooner or later the skies will be bright, tears will be all wiped away. Sooner or later then cometh the light, night will be turned into day. Sooner or later cares will have shown, sunshine and flies will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Sooner or later our Lord knows the hour, he'll send his beloved son. Sooner or later in his might and power, our battles all will be won. Sooner or later cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Sooner or later, yes, sooner for some, darkness will all then be past. Sooner or later our Savior will come, with him will your lot be cast. Sooner or later cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the beautiful sunshine. We thank you for the privilege of assembling together in your name. We ask that you would just take this service and be honored and glorified in it. Lord, we ask that the singing, the special music, the preaching, Lord, most of all, we pray for the time of invitation that none of us would withhold our hearts and our lives and things in our lives 
from your precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's turn to song uh, 209. Just page over 209. Is it the crowning day? Jesus may come today. Glad day, glad day. And I would see my friend. Dangers and troubles would end. If Jesus should come today, glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be, Jesus my Lord I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I may go home today, glad day, glad day, seemeth I hear their song, hail to the radiant throng, if I should go home today, now sing it with gladness, glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be. Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? Why should I anxious be? Glad day, glad day. Lights appear on the shore, storms will affright nevermore, for he is at hand today. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be. Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? Faithful I'll be today. Glad day, glad day, and I will freely tell why I should love him so well. For he is my old today. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be. Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? Amen. And turn to page 204. 204. Christ returneth. It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory. 
to receive from the world is own. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song, Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, midday it may be at twilight it may be perchance that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of his glory when Jesus receives his Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song? Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. If you're glad that Christ is returning, say amen. Amen. Let's sing these next two verses with joy and gladness in our hearts. And if you haven't gotten it yet, you know, these last few songs we've been singing have been all about the second coming. Amen. It's about Christ returning, and we need to be glad about that. Amen. Because that's one of his promises to us. Now, let's sing verse 3. While hosts cry, Hosanna from heaven descending, with glorified saints and the angels attending, with grace on his brow like a halo of glory will Jesus receive his own. Oh Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song. Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. On that fourth, oh joy, oh delight, should we go without dying? No sickness, no sadness, no dread, and no crying. Caught up through the clouds with the Lord into glory when Jesus receives his own. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song. Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. Amen. And just before the message, and we dismiss the children's church, we're going to have a special this morning.
Peter, can you point the words for Brother John there? There you go. All right. This time we'll have the children dismissed to the children's church. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 2, where we will begin our journey through the Scripture this morning. Titus chapter 2. It was uh, said that uh, the primary doctrine of the Old Testament uh, is the coming of Messiah. And as we look at all of the events and the prophecies that were about Jesus' birth and His life here on earth, in fact, on uh, Thursday nights, uh, we have just begun uh, a series in our weekly Bible study on the prophecies of Jesus' first coming. And it, when we move into the New Testament, the primary doctrine that we find through the New Testament over and over again is that Jesus is coming again. Amen? And one of the problems that many theologians have had over the years it is the fact that in the Old Testament there are prophecies. We hear the stories of, of the lion lying down beside the lamb and their, the little child being able to play at the den or the hole of the poisonous snake and there's no problems and, and everything is wonderful. And, and man has been trying to create paradise on earth ever since there was a man on earth to try. They thought that by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, they would become as gods. 
and they fell into sin and bondage. They figured if they built a tower that reached unto heaven, they could replace God. And they built the tower that we call today the Tower of Babel because all it brought was confusion and division. We had moved to New York City to start uh, this church and and uh, I was down at a Staples in Long Island City working on trying to get some tracks printed. It was long before we had a printing press or access to any of those things. And so we were just running some things off at the copy center there. And, and I was behind a man in line. And when he saw my uh, work that it said church on it, he said, I'm from Roosevelt Island. We're building uh, Utopia on Roosevelt Island. And I said, good luck. I said, I, I don't think you're going to get there because you need something that we do not have as human beings. Only God can work and build this society that man has always hoped. And Jesus left us a promise. He said, I'm going into heaven. And I'm coming back. In fact, let's just take a few minutes. Keep your Bible finger there in Titus chapter 2. But uh, let's just read John chapter 14. Gospel of John, fourth book in your New Testament. John chapter 14. This is just hours before Jesus would be arrested and begin the uh, trials and the beatings and the, and, and the suffering of the cross and Three days later, the resurrection on Sunday morning, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were so, not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Some of the most comforting words in all the Scripture. Jesus said, I'm coming again. I'm going to take you to be with me where I live in my Father's house. Well, I'll tell you, that is going to be an exciting time. Amen? But let's look at Titus chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Titus was a young preacher. He was being trained by Paul and Paul had left him in, in, in a place and and trying to 
help him. And uh, Titus was there finishing work that, that Paul could not do there. And, and he said, now listen, these are some of the things that you have to understand. He says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You remember before you were saved? You sinned. And you felt dirty when you sinned. Anybody remember that? Sin, all it's not just a guilty conscience. It is the grace of God that God wants to use to bring you to salvation. Have you ever met anybody that said, man, everything's going perfect. I don't need God. I don't need this. I don't need that. I've got it all together. You cannot win a person to the Lord or help a person come to the Lord unless they want to go there. Amen? And we have to realize that we're all sinners in the eyes of a holy God. We've all broken His laws. And it's God's grace that we feel the shame and the guilt for what we have done. That teaches us that we ought to come to God and live His way. Then it says that we are looking for that blessed hope. Hope is a wonderful word, is it not? I mean, hope is one of those words. Without it, you're just a dead man walking. Or a woman, as the case may be. Without hope, what is there to make life worth living? It's one of the reasons why suicide is one of the leading causes of death in the free world. Is because people have tried everything. And they found out it's meaningless here. Having all this money, that doesn't mean anything. Trying to enjoy all the pleasures and all the uh, debauched behavior that the world calls fun. We, we, we try. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but when you're all done, there's that empty feeling still inside. This promise, of Jesus coming again, of Jesus setting up His kingdom here on earth, is what we call, what the Scripture calls here, the blessed hope. The word blessing means to make joyful. Hope is, is an expectation of something that will be. Now, you listen to these people with the stock market and these economists and and these politicians and, and everybody out there and, and what the only hope that they can offer you is, well, it's going to be better someday. What kind of hope is that? We're, we're going we're gonna to get through this somehow. No, the hope that Jesus says is, I'm coming back and I'm going to straighten everything out. We have a group of of politicians and elitists here in the world and they think they're going to straighten everything out. Can, can anybody tell me anything government has ever straightened out? 
Is there anything you've given to politicians to do that's come out right? I mean, you, I don't mean to be just cynical today, but you've got to stop and you've got to look at what's around you. I mean, if you want to study in the history of people who have tried to make things right on earth, study the United Nations across there on 42nd Street. Study the history of suffering and bloodshed and destruction that those well-meaning people have brought to this world. That's not hope, my friends. That's despair. But I have a hope that Jesus is going to come. And when He does, He is going to straighten it out. But until He comes, it says that He might redeem us from all iniquity. Now, we live in a world that is just filled with sin and problems. Do we not? And yet Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. He says right here, to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. You know, when I, uh, when I, I should say, not when I was a kid, when, when I was a kid, it was still a strange thing not to smoke marijuana. It was a strange, it, it, it was, it was acceptable in those days to do those things. It was acceptable to lose your purity at a young age. It was acceptable to go to the bar and get drunk on occasion. It was acceptable to involve yourself in, in immoral behavior. Those things were acceptable. It's really weird today. You say, I've never smoked, never had a chance to inhale. What? What planet did you live on, dude? Well, it says peculiar here, amen? I don't know what it is to be drunk. I praise God for that. That doesn't make me somebody special. It just makes me peculiar. Amen? We want that for our children, do we not? Do you want your children to go through what you went through? I hope not. We, we want them to live different. We want them to be that strange kind of person. To have a a desire to their life that is not just getting all you can and canning all you get. It says, zealous of good works. It says, these are the things that we're to speak. It says, exhort and rebuke. The world does not set the standards of righteousness. Jesus does. Amen? And by the way, He has not modified His standards. He is not interested in meeting the world halfway. Jesus is not a politician. He doesn't negotiate. He is not a product that we market today, and so we have to wrap Him up in a way to make Him the most presentable and to look the most enticing to those who would desire to buy the product, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's what goes on in a lot of churches today. We're preaching a hope today that this same Jesus who spoke the world into existence is coming back and he is going to straighten this world out. Amen? He's going to set up his kingdom on this earth. The Bible says he's going to rule and reign from the city of Jerusalem for a thousand years. There's two parts to that second coming. There is the taking away of his church and there is the establishment of his kingdom. There are about seven years between those two events. And I want you to turn just back a few pages in your Bible to the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you're still in Titus, you got First and Second Timothy, Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter four, and we're going to start reading in verse thirteen. I have a hope. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in all of these things. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse thirteen. But I would ha- not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We have a hope that transcends all the politics and all the maneuvering and all of the uh, ill will of men toward other men in this world today. That hope is in the personal return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are many that have passed from this life into the next. Death is not a pleasant thing. Death is never welcomed. I worked in a nursing home and I often tell the stories, but I'll tell you there was... Uh, people who were there that were so sick they could not be taken care of in in the home and it was just a matter of time until they died and the families wanted the best care that they could give this person as they were literally dying and sometimes it would take weeks as this person would be nearly comatose, hardly able to even roll themselves over in bed yet when death came, It had been expected for a long time. Yet when death strode into that room and that person stopped breathing, it was always, always a shock. It was not. Well, we're glad this happened. You know, death is one of those things. Even Christians, we do not like death. We like life. Amen? 
And we understand that walking through that door of death is the key to life, but death is never welcome. When I preach a funeral, I often come to this passage right here if the person was saved. Because it says, we're going to meet again, amen? Paul used the word we. He expected to be alive when Jesus came back. Now, Paul's been dead for a long, long time. And it says those that are dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to think about these things. Wouldn't it just be cool if every Christian, when they rose, when Jesus blow that trumpet and they rise again from the dead, just knock over the headstone and make a big pile of dirt and just dig the whole thing up and so everybody walks around and says, wow, I don't know that it's going to happen that way. The Bible doesn't tell us. And it tells us to be very careful as we use our sanctified imagination because we can get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble imagining things. But I don't know about you. I want to make a big mess as I can as I leave this place. How about you? And um, I want somebody to know that I've been here. And uh, uh, that's just me personally. It says that when he comes, it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. There's a promise. This world isn't all there is to life. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Isn't it a comforting thing to know that those who have died in Jesus Christ, I'm going to see them again. I still consider myself a very young person, but my list of family and friends is getting much longer on the other side as more and more people pass on. My grandfather told me not to get old. I said, but granddad, uh, there's only one alternative to getting old. And uh, he, he was 89 when he passed from this life into the next. But I have hope and I have comfort that I'm going to see him again one day. Because he believed, as it says right here, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's what salvation is. It's trusting in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ to take away our sins. Amen? He's given us a promise. He is coming back. And boy, I'll tell you, you hear all kinds of stuff today. How many of you have ever read that ar an article on what they now call the biochip? It is a computer chip about the size of a grain of rice that actually takes its electricity that it needs to operate from the human body. It's able actually to pull that electricity in and it, it actually grafts into your skin. And, and, uh, and I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you can get your cat 
injected with a computer chip. And then when little Tabby runs away, you can call a certain number and they'll put a tracer on little Tabby and they'll find out that he snuck under the fence and down through the sewer pipe to get to the neighbor's cat. And, um, and he'll come home sometime. Uh, you can have LoJack put in your car and when they steal it, they press a button and the police know exactly where your car is. How many of you have a cell phone? You know that all new cell phones have this little chip in them that if the government calls up the cell phone company and says so-and-so's got a cell phone, we're looking for him, they press a button and they know exactly where you are. How many heard about that rental company giving tickets to people who were driving their, car, their rental cars too fast? because they were GPS track of, tracking them by satellite. And all of a sudden they get a $150 rental fee and a $250 ticket for speeding. They said, wait, 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 how did you do this? Oh, no, we just have a tracker in the car and we tracked you and we know exactly where you were, exactly what you did. Hear all those things? Big Brother is not coming. He's already moved in, my friend. He lives across the street. And yet we get excited about all these things and we say, See, see, the Lord's coming soon. No, what we got to do is we got to go back to the Bible. Paul said, We which are alive and remain. Now, Paul lived 1900 and some odd years ago. And if he believed he was going to be alive, how much closer are we? to when the Lord is actually coming. Amen? I mean, we have got to be at the door. And, and this should not be a, com uh, a terrifying thing. It should be a comforting thing, knowing that when He comes, we're ever going to be with the Lord. We're going to be able to put this world behind us. What we have here, I guess the best way I know how to express it is the life that we live here on this earth is simply a dressing room for eternity. How will you look when you enter the presence of God? Something we need to think about. But also something we can be comforted with. That this world and the problems of it aren't following us when we get to heaven. Amen? Let's look at James, the book of James, toward the back of your Bible, just past Hebrews, James chapter 5. We have a blessed hope in the return of Jesus Christ. We have comfort in the fact that He's coming. Here is one that is really tough sometimes. Verse 7. Be patient. Now, how many of you like patience? How many of you like being, when somebody tells you, be patient, what are they really telling you? Will you calm down, please? That's what they're telling you when you say, be patient. They're saying, you're not patient. James saying, listen, be patient. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. He said, let me give you an example here. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it 
until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The growing season in that part of the world, you have what you call the early and the latter rains. The early rains were just before you began planting. They would come and they would soak the ground. It would soften the hardened ground because they had a dry... Basically, in this part of the world, they have a dry season and a rainy season. And that dry season, the ground would get hard, it would get dry, and, and, and uh, nothing would grow during that time. And so, as the early rains came, it would soften the earth and all the farmers would get ready to start planting their fields. Then came the latter rain, just before the harvest. And it would again just be a period of several weeks actually where they would just get a light sprinkle almost every day. It would just be like going out and watering your plants. Today we irrigate uh, and we pump the water in and all of those things. They didn't have that equipment in those days and if God did not send those latter rains, the harvest would not be what it ought to be. It says... The farmer had to wait. He had to weed the garden. He had to take care of the crops. He had to keep the birds away. He had to watch them grow. How many of you have ever planted like corn or tomatoes or potatoes or anything where you actually planted it and had to wait the whole way until it grew and then you got to eat it? Anybody else ever done that? I mean, uh, that is a process. You say, no, I just walk down to Key Food and I buy it. Amen. God says, be patient. You can't buy this thing off the shelf. He says, you wait. He said, my promise is true. He says, establish your hearts. Sometimes I'll tell my children, I say, well, we're going to do something on such and such a day. And that day comes... And something else happens. Ever had that happen? Say, well, kids, you're going to have to wait just a little bit. We're, we're going to do this, but uh, we've got to take care of this emergency first. And so we go and we try to take care of that. And Pretty soon it's, okay, Dad, we're not going. What can we do instead of that? Say, wait a minute. I'm not done yet. Give me a chance. We'll still get to do this thing. Maybe at midnight, but we'll, no. Uh, we'll still get to do it. You see, if we're not patient, we look and we say, the Lord hasn't come back. It's establish your hearts. You've got to realize that God doesn't lie. Can we trust His character? Amen? Can we just remind ourselves that when God makes a promise, it's coming. And we've got to be patient. We've got to wait. And by the way, the best things in life are worth waiting for, aren't they? I remember when my father-in-law said, you can marry my daughter, but you can't do it in June. You've got to wait until September. Hey, man! He didn't expect amen. He wanted me to argue with him. And uh, 
I, I, I said, praise the Lord. I said, you said yes. He said, yeah, I said yes, but you'll have to wait until September. Is that okay? I said, that's fine with me as long as you said yes. Amen. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is with the Lord. If we could get our hearts on the goal, we'll realize that the little waiting we have to do is going to be over very quickly. Now, those nine months we had to wait seemed like an eternity. But that was 17 years ago. It seems like nothing now, amen? Be patient, because the Lord is coming. But He'll do it in His time, not ours, amen? Let's turn to the book of Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. We were in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now we're back in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to start reading verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was... Yet with you I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now Paul's writing this church we talked about this church that he helped found this morning in, in our Sunday school time, how that in Thessalonica he went into the synagogue and it wasn't very long before the people in there stirred up a tumult and Paul had to literally flee for his life. Now there were other problems in this poor little church. There were people writing letters and signing Paul's name saying, Jesus has already come and it's all done. That's why Paul said nor by word or nor by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. He said, don't be worried by everything that is going on around you. We have a lot of people saying a lot of crazy things today. You ever been on the subway when one of those guys gets has a little megaphone they come on they used to do this all the time jesus 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 six 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 jesus 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 you ever seen any of those guys and uh man 
get on your nerves, number one. Just let me sit on the subway. It's bad enough to have to sit on the subway, amen? Let alone put up with this little guy running around saying something he has no clue as to what he's saying. But there's a lot of people who get nervous. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody run in and say, Pastor, did you get this article? 666, look, they're implanting chips into people. That's not the mark of the beast, my friend. It's not here yet. And if you're saved, guess what? You won't be here when Antichrist shows up. He may be alive. It probably is. He's doing things today, I'm sure. But guess what? If he revealed himself while God's church is still here, every Bible-believing Christian in the world point their finger at him and say, You're the Antichrist! God says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to give the world what they want. Do you not hear the cries today from the politicians and from the people? Uh, I may remember the last presidential election. They had that one nerd stand up. And I'm sorry, any 50-year-old man that says, I want the government to take care of me is a nerd. Amen? I mean, get a life guy. Uh, that's what this thing called a job is all about. You don't need the government to take care of you. Take care of yourself. That mentality is what is going to bring Antichrist to power. Please take care of me. I don't know what to do for myself. I want to have health care from the cradle to the grave because it's expensive. Hey, yeah, it's expensive. I'll tell you, it's crazy what's going on. And it's all working. How many of you would like to stop illegal drug trade? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to stop? I mean, you'd like to stop all the welfare and insurance fraud that goes on to the tune of billions of dollars a year. If we could just get the money that was wasted in welfare fraud in New York State, they wouldn't have to raise taxes anymore for the next 50 years. Would you like to stop all that stuff? Wouldn't that be great? How'd you like to stop all the prostitution and all of the illegal crime that goes on in this city? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Do you want me to tell you how to stop it? Mark of the Beast will stop it just like that. Because you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without it. Humanly speaking, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to the world. There's only one problem. The Mark of the Beast is attached to the worship of the man who's running the government. And if you worship anyone or anything other than the God of this book called the Bible, there's no hope. But what's going to take the world and make them worship this man? It's the fact that he's going to solve or promise to solve all their problems. That's why it talks about this falling away first. Now, people read that and they say, well, pastor, falling away, that's a negative thing. And, and I can see the falling away as so many Christians are, are falling away from the truth. Well, uh, I have a little different way of looking at, at, at this. 
Uh, there's going to be a trumpet sound and the church is going to fall away from this earth. Amen? And once that happens, the man of sin is going to be revealed. So don't worry about who the Antichrist is. Get saved and you'll never see him. Amen? Realize that men are going to wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. But I've got a blessed hope. I've got comfort. I've got a reason to be patient. And I'm just going to keep on doing what's right, believing this old book called the Bible, and trusting what it says because I'm getting out of here before he shows up. And it ought to put just a little fear in our hearts because this passage clearly and bluntly says, verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. If you have heard the truth of Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross to save you from your sins and you're trying to establish your own righteousness, your own way, let me tell you something. When that rapture happens, when that church is taken out, the Bible says that you will believe that Antichrist is Jesus Christ because you refused to accept the love of the truth. Verse 11, And for this cause, because you refuse the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Hey, we've got to keep doing what God has asked us to do in this book called the Bible. God hasn't changed His mind. The Don't worry about who the Antichrist is. Don't worry about the mark of the beast. Don't worry about 666 and all of those things. Don't waste your time. If you're not saved today, you need to spend your time finding out why you won't believe Jesus Christ and simply trust Him as your Savior. Amen? You've got to get rid of your religion. You've got to get rid of your good works. You've got to get rid of your pride. You've got to get rid of your self-assertiveness and, and your self-assurance and put it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you wait too long, my friend, the Bible says you will believe the lie. Did you read verse 12? It says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. People use that as a curse word today. I think if anybody had any clue as to what that word means, they'd never use it. It means eternal condemnation and judgment in hell. That's what the word means. And when someone goes around using that word, the word damned, they're talking about eternally confined to the pits of hell. If you have the mentality and the understanding of life that you actually want someone to go there, you'd you'd better make sure you're not heading in the same direction. Because the God of this book called the Bible doesn't want anyone to go there, not willing that any should perish. Amen.
All we need to do is we need to trust in Him. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just two more. We should be done before two, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to look at verse 50. And we're going to read uh, a couple of verses here and then read verse 58. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But I show unto you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Oh, let's read it all. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The verse we memorize this year when our in our uh, uh, labors together with God. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why a lot of people quit? They just get discouraged. Why do they get discouraged? Because they forget who God is. They forget what's going on. They get their eyes off the goal. They, they put their eyes on all these other things. It says, Jesus is coming back. That's my reason to be steadfast. Unmovable. You know, I don't want to change what's in this book so it would be more pleasant for people to listen to. Because these are not my words. I don't have the right to change them. These are God's words, and He puts them right where we need to be. Matthew chapter 24. And we'll be done. Matthew chapter 24. Verse, 50, um, verse 42, I'm sorry. Verse 42. Watch therefore... For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
There's a lot of people long for the ride. The Bible says we need to be watching because we do not know when he comes. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared that when the Lord comes, we'll be ready to receive him. You say, how can I be prepared? Have you ever put your head on the pillow at night and said, I have used this day to serve God his way? That ever happened? Don't raise your hand or just think about it. If that has happened in your life, that's how you watch for the Lord to come. If you say, well, pastor, I kind of hope so, think so. I'm not not real positive about that, but I, I do the best I can. It's time for some serious checking things out. Because when that trumpet sounds, you won't have time to go get ready. You won't have time. Well, just a minute, just a minute. I, I want to run past the church. Well, if it's a Bible-believing church, nobody's going to be there, amen? They're all going too. Everything that we have on this earth is going to be left behind. What we need to do is we need to be ready. Can I interject a word into this one? Intensity. We like intensity, don't we? You ever been to a Yankees game? Everybody sits there and goes. Is that what happens in a Yankees game? I mean, people were screaming and yelling and jumping up and down and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Why? Well, because we're winning. We're going to go to the World Series. We're going to... That's a little bit of intensity, isn't it? Till the playoffs. Excuse me. It's not quite so intense anymore, is it? Because nothing's going on. But Jesus is coming back, amen? Couldn't I have just a fraction for Jesus, what I do for my sports team, whatever it might be? By the way, if you go to a football game, I, I've never been to a professional football game. I'm absolutely afraid of going to one of those things because the level of intensity is about ten times that of the football field. That's what I've heard anyway. I mean, people go crazy. They paint their faces all kinds of colors and, and uh, uh, sitting in a stand in 20-degree weather with a minus 30 wind chill, watching these guys chase this little pointy end ball across the field, uh, that just has never interested me for some strange reason. Now, if it does you, that's fine. Uh, I'm not condemning. Uh, like your team. Support them. Whatever. But could we have a little bit of intensity for the Lord Jesus Christ? Because we don't know when he's coming back. He could be coming back today. Amen? You see, that's my blessed hope. It's my comfort knowing that I'm going to see these loved ones 
again someday. I have the ability to be patient. By the way, patience is a choice. Amen? You've got to wait until the Lord comes back. I've got to realize that everything that's going on around me is part of God's plan, but I don't need to be part of it. Amen? I need to have a little fear, understanding that those who reject the truth now, if Jesus comes back, have already made their decision. We need to plead with men and women for their souls. We need to be steadfast. We need to be unmovable. We need to be abounding in the work of the Lord because our labor is not in vain. Jesus is coming back. Amen? And I can be intense because I don't know when. I can be ready if I'll only be prepared. The way you get ready, number one, you've got to get saved. Amen? It's that simple. You've got to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've always believed in God. Well, that's not enough, my friend. It is a living relationship with the living God. It's trusting only in Him for your salvation. Open Door Bible Baptist Church cannot save you. Somebody called up and said, uh, I, I need a blessing. Will you bless me, Pastor? And, and I said, I wish I could. It, it's not in me. I said, but we can introduce you to someone who can bless you. Amen? Because that's the way it works. And He's coming back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We ask that You would just work in our hearts and lives today. We pray that if there be anyone here today that is unsaved, that today would be the time when they would simply trust You. Lord, we pray for those that have been saved that we would not allow ourselves to become weary in well-doing or any of these other things, but we would have hope and comfort and patience and steadfastness and fear. And Lord, we would be willing to be intense day by day waiting for Your coming. We ask You to do Your work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And this morning, we'll just have a verse or two of a hymn, Only Trust Him. That is the way that you get saved. That is the way that you serve the Lord. If you need to come and pray, now is the time. If you're here today and you're not saved, just look up as you come and I'll get my attention and we'll have somebody take the Bible and take you to a private place and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. As we sing, will you come? Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. 
and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. We'll just have the piano continue to play. Let's bow our heads where we are. And if you need to come, now is the time to step out. Others are here, they're praying. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated if you would. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, sorry, I'm going to have to talk to, to my typist. That's me, by the way. Uh, there will be no Thursday night service this week because of the holiday. We uh, will be moving it to Tuesday night. All right? Tuesday night. At uh, 7.30, um, and I thought I erased Ladies Fellowship, but it showed up there again. Wow. So, um, um, please, uh, there's n the Ladies Fellowship was last Monday night, uh, but Tuesday night at 7.30 will be our, our uh, special Thanksgiving service, and um, just a, a couple of things to put on your calendar uh, December 4th, that's two weeks, we'll be having a, a members meeting. And then December 10th, uh, Brother Clayton is in the area. He's going to be with us all day, December 10th. And um, we're trying to work on a special for the offering today. And uh, so we're getting that ready while we speak here. And so uh, uh, make your plans there and be in prayer about that. Uh, also, uh, I hope you took time to read this. Uh, this is the second week. We have the packages ready to go over here. 40 bags for the Marine Corps uh, unit in Afghanistan. 25 bags for an Army unit in, uh, in uh, Iraq. And uh, the only thing we are missing, we're going to try to do two things here. One is immediately after the offering, we're going to be singing uh, our benediction and uh, what we'd like everyone to do is, as soon as we're finished uh, singing the song, we want you all to come up here and stand in the front. We're going to take a, a, a picture and uh, just going to uh, uh, print those on the inkjet printer and cut them up and send a little picture of our church in every bag to the military men. Uh, 
Uh, we had talked about this before, but just a little letter inviting them, if they're ever coming through New York City, stop for a service. We'll at least get them a meal and, uh, and uh, uh, be f uh, friendly to them. It'd be wonderful to meet some of these guys. Amen. And so, but the thing we need is we do not have enough notes to fill the bag. What we'd like to do, just a little short handwritten note. You don't have to say anything complicated. Just say, uh, I'm a member of the church. I'm praying for you. Or just simply say, we're praying for you. If you're afraid to sign your name, don't even sign your name. But uh, it, it would be nice. And just in case you didn't get a chance, uh, I've got some really wacky paper up here if you want wacky paper. Uh, I've got boxes of different colors, so you can go through and pick your color, and, and a box of pens. And after the service, after we take the picture, uh, we'll set all this stuff out. Would you just jot a note, and you can leave them here on the pulpit, and we'll put them in the bags over there for you. And uh, we need about uh, 40 more notes. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind just writing a note saying we're praying for you, uh, don't write anything complicated. Uh, don't uh, try to uh, put the whole Bible on there or something like that. Uh, just, just simply write a nice little note. Uh, tell them you're praying for I hope you're praying for them. Now, if you're not praying for them, don't write that because that, that'd be a lie. Amen. Or you could write it this morning and show up at prayer meeting tonight and we'll pray for him and then you can be honest about it. Amen? Uh, even a better way of doing that. So uh, let's work on that. Get the notes. We're going to ship these things out either tomorrow or Tuesday. And uh, they have their own uh, postal service that actually delivers them right to the front lines. And uh, we've actually been put in touch with the commanding uh, sergeant of each unit who will distribute them to uh, the men that serve under him. And uh, these are frontline fighting units. That's why the bags aren't big, because whatever they get, they got to carry with them. And so uh, we got them a whole bag of marshmallows, uh, four or five cups of hot chocolate in there, and, and a pair of good socks. Uh, by the way, good socks are, I, I didn't know socks were that expensive. And uh, uh, so and somebody said, well, we're giving something. Well, that'll go to pay for the socks, all right? Marshmallows are a dollar a bag. Uh, that was on sale. So, you know, it, it adds up. Uh, don't worry about it. We, we're not going bankrupt to send this stuff, but we want to be a blessing. Amen? And so uh, if we could have our ushers come at this time, we'll take the offering and... Um, I'm kind of interested to hear this one myself. I don't think I've heard it yet. Okay, here we go. We
right. Brother Osmundo, would you pray for the altars? Amen. All right. Don't forget, as soon as we sing the song, we want, uh, we'll want we get the kids out of the nursery and everything and just come up here, take a picture, stand with me if you would. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us this morning. 